0: You know, when there hasn't been someone that's done something, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you don't know. And honestly, you don't know if you're supposed to be doing it. Like, there was that part of me that was like, is a woman supposed to be calling baseball?
1: We're going to go out on the field. We're going to score
0: as many goals as we can. We're going to have fun. Oh,
1: Becky well placed. It's been my pleasure and my honor to represent you all. Sports have become increasingly focused on stats and data, whether we like that or not. And that fact got me thinking about how I wish there was a stat for storybook endings. So let's say you click on a player and right alongside their career wins goals per season, batting average, whatever the category might be, there's a box. And that box has a number that's been calculated, which is supposed to show how climatic, how closury, how closure providing, we will say, an athlete's final game was as compared to how successful, how fulfilling of a career they had. I guess I'd really like to see something like this because I get this feeling that not very many legends get legendary endings.
0: It's funny, I was just watching Lindsay Vons. I don't know if you watched her. Uh, I think it was called... Uh final season or basically it was her last it was a documentary HBO did on her final season and I was just watching that and she talked about how she always imagined her last race she would be like she'd win or you know it'd be some sort of I think every athlete kind of pictures this like Hollywood moment (laughs) and you know for her I think she ended up finishing like fourth or fifth or you know it was very anticlimactic and for me my last game actually was um in the npf in the championships um i was playing for the pride and we were in chicago playing um <clears throat> for for the championship and it was the second game um we had lost the first so it was the best of three so it was the second game and we had like bad weather it was in august which was crazy and we had like a thunder and lightning and they end up canceling the game And what was crazy to think of even this was what like 2012 so it's not like it was like 1960 um they didn't reschedule it like we could have just played the next day but there were like people had flights and which made no sense because if we won the game we would have had to play the next day anyway (laughs) so like so we end up not like i just remember sitting in the dugout and like everyone was kind of like just trying to get back to the hotel and you know, whatever. And the news was kind of coming in that we weren't actually going to play the game at all, like that it was done. And it was just the weirdest feeling because I had like, I I don't even know if we started the game or not, but like my last game was like a canceled game, basically. (laughs) Like it was so just like, and then we weren't even going to make it up. And I kind of knew I... I hadn't made a decision and I hadn't definitely had not publicly made any source so nobody knew if I was going to retire. I knew that I wanted to have another child. And so I was like, if I get pregnant again, I think I'm going to be done. And so I just had this feeling. And I, I remember sitting there in the dugout by myself and a reporter, Graham Hayes, um, came walking in and he just stood at the other dugout. And he's like, I just have this feeling watching you in this dugout. That this is the last time I'm going to see you in a uniform. Wow. Right. And I was just kind of looked at him and I was like, wow, like, how does he know? <laughs> you know, And it was kind of cool. And he ended up writing the story. Like when I decided to retire, like I, I did announce it through him, I guess. And um, anyway, it was just kind of this weird moment sitting there by myself at a field and like, wow, okay. So this is is how we go, like, <laughs> just you're all pumped up for a championship game, and then there's no game, and there's no like makeup of it. It's like you're just there was no winner that year,
1: which is crazy. <laughs> all right, let's uh quickly calculate Jessica Mendoza's potential storybook ending stat. So we have that final hurrah, uh, if it can even be called that. I don't quite know the opposite of hurrah. So we have that series of unfortunate events that she just described on one hand, and then on the other hand, we have one of the best softball careers of all time. Even though I'm not a math person, I can pretty certainly say that Jessica Mendoza's storybook ending stat would be very, very low or very high, depending on what values we're assigning here for this measurement, but... It's just bad. <laughs> so how do you feel like an ending like that affects your sort of processing leaving? Well, I mean, I had the choice. I mean, that's, I guess, the benefit some, uh, in some
0: ways of, you know, I, I could have come back right. and play. And so my decision was more based on, I mean, two big, well, I'd say three. Like the first that our sport wasn't in the Olympics, anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, and I'd play pro for three years and we'd won a championship, I'd been an MVP, like, you know, I, I'd, I'd played in the Olympics. Like I, I just kind of asked myself, especially at that point, I had a three-year-old boy son, I was getting pregnant, about to be pregnant with my second son. Um, and my husband, you know, who had quit his job to like travel all over the country. And I was kind of like, I kind of, I felt like I had done everything in the sport.
1: I'm really not playing around when I say Mendoza is one of the best softball players ever. Her career stats and the list of accolades she garnered are dizzying. At Stanford, she was a four-time All-American and helped lead the Cardinal to their first-ever College World Series. When she left Palo Alto, she held several career records which are still in the top 10 today. She then became a household name as a starter at two Olympics for Team USA, winning a gold and silver medal in 2004 and 2008, respectively. She also played a handful of seasons of national pro fast pitch, including her last season for the Pride, where, you know, she almost maybe could have won a championship.
0: If it had still been an Olympic sport, I would have definitely, I think, you know, my goal would have been to play in London in twelve, um, and then which was that year, and then um, in Brazil in sixteen. So I, I definitely would have kept playing. But at that point, I'm like, you know, why am I dragging my family all over the place? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to now do that with two kids, which my husband made kind of clear that he wasn't going to do. <laughs> He's like, it's only do with one. We're not going to do it two. So I don't know. I kind of had this piece, and I remember my family and a lot of people who are close to me were like, Jess, like. I feel like you're going to retire and then you're going to be that person that's just going to come out of it like a year later. Cause you'll miss it so much. And I'll tell you what, Hannah, like, you know, I have dreams and I have moments, but I don't like, I, I, I don't know if for me, it's, you know, I, I played until I was what 30, 32 years old and I got to kind of get everything I wanted from the sport. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. I feel very blessed because especially as a female athlete, that's not always the case. Um, But I also really feel like my job now, the things that I really enjoyed about the game were like the pressure, (laughs) like everything's on the line, you're up to bat, like the game's all up to you, like I get a ton of pressure in my job now (laughs) and good and bad, like it's not always fun, but it definitely like scratches that itch for me of, (laughs) of like, okay, this is like high adrenaline, like red lights about to come in, live television in three, two, one, like, so I don't know, I still have that, I guess, in my life.
1: Yeah, for sure. Walking away from the game and stepping on this path to find her next pursuit came with a few unfamiliar feelings for someone who had wholeheartedly dedicated herself to the athlete life.
0: Well, one, like, freedom, (laughs) Mm because I felt like, I didn't know what to almost do with my day to day because there, I realized that for two, three decades, like every day had a purpose Mm -hmm. as far as how to be the best athlete you could be. So even on the day off, you still were thinking, or at least I was always thinking, how can I be better? Like, you know, and, and a lot of days it was training, you know, getting up that day and feeling like you were putting in some sort of like, you know, whether it was weight training, conditioning, like going out and hitting, throwing, whatever, like I'm getting better today. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my mindset every single day for decades. And so it just felt weird to wake up and be like, "Whoa, okay. Like, what's my purpose (laughs) beyond, you know, being a mom and the things that I was already doing in addition to being an athlete. But there was that core of me that needed to like train that needed this, like, you know, And I feel like that was the hardest adjustment is I still wanted to be active, but I didn't have a purpose in like why I was being active. (laughs) Like I wasn't, you know, training to be able to run like a, you know, 2-7 down the first baseline or, you know, hit the ball out to left field. Like I was just training to train and I felt kind of lost.
1: Transitioning out of the game was tough. It was uncomfortable. But during her career, Mendoza was presented with and ended up seizing an opportunity as a sports broadcaster. She managed this work while she was an athlete, which is astounding. And sports broadcasting was exciting and important to her right then and there when she first started out in the commentator's booth. But it also came to be so significant beyond right then and there, years down the line when Mendoza pivoted away from her competitive athlete life.
0: So, um, my first year doing ESPN um, and covering college softball was in 2006, I think. And, um, you know, I, I didn't retire until 2012. So, I had six years of where I was already now getting involved in television. And by 2010, I was entering into baseball and not necessarily a lot of Major League Baseball, but I was now doing the College World Series for the men. Um, so I was doing a lot of men's college baseball. Um, I was dabbling a little bit. Or no, and then I started in um, college football. I was reporting for college football. And so I could start to feel at least this like, because I think that's one of the hardest things is like, we're defined as an athlete as far as even our career. So like, what's next as far as how am I going to make a living, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and for me, I already knew what that was going to be. Um, so for me, the transition was more, I could, I could really just take on more full time. Um, which honestly I was already doing, like I, 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 was doing the men's college world series was interfered with our softball season. And I had coaches that were willing to allow me to come in, you know, a few weeks behind everyone else once season started. Um, you know, and that just, Allowed me to put all my focus. So when I would wake up in the morning, instead of worrying about how I was going to train, I was kind of worried about like, okay, like what team should I study? What people do I need to meet with? How do I do more television? So just kind of pushed my energy to focus on that.
1: Hearing her talk about how softball and sports broadcasting overlapped, it hit me how really, well, one, how cool that is from an outsider's perspective, obviously. And two... How unique it is. You're playing at the highest level of your sport, and you get to be involved in this amazing other field with amazing long-term career opportunities. While simultaneously calling games for ESPN and training for an Olympics is objectively special, dividing up your life and balancing passions and jobs like that is not special for certain athletes.
0: I am grateful for like honestly the sport for understanding that because for a lot of us especially female athletes like making a living playing our sport usually isn't enough so all of us are juggling other sports whether it's coaching on the side or you know just doing anything we can clinics you know just even real corporate America jobs Um, and so even during the Olympic year in 2008 I remember I was doing the Women's College World Series and my our head coach, Mike Candrea allowed me to still do the women's college world series and call those games, which were huge for my career at that point. Cause it was like the most watched anything that I was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and by giving that up, even though I was training for the Olympics, like the way ESPN works, like you're replaced immediately, you know? Right. And so I remember, and I was, we were blessed too because our training actually coincided in Oklahoma city at that time be- because the world series was going on. So we actually, we were training in the same city so that was like the biggest reason but i i remember like i was we were like running shuttles like doing all of our training and then i would literally have like <laughs> my uniform on and throw on some kind of polo shirt over my sweaty uniform have my hair in a ponytail throw on some lipstick and go on air and i was like stinky and like totally like just not looking hot but i was like this is how it's going to work and uh, it, it, it did. And and it was hard because we I remember we had games that went into like one, two in the morning, extra mm-hmm. inning games, and then we were back up at five, six AM training. And it was hard, but I w- I knew how important it was for me to still keep the T V job even while I was training
1: for the Olympics. Mendoza couldn't have predicted at that time truly how important it would be. Let's be clear, you're you're not just any sports broadcaster. You are the first female commentator of ESPN's College World Series, first female commentator of an MLB game in the history of ESPN. First, Do you get sick of hearing this? First female commentator in MLB postseason history. Um, and again, I'm struck with this theme of unique. Like, it's not super common to have this experience of being a standout, being a history maker as an athlete, and then being a standout and a history maker in a post-athlete way. In thinking about these back-to-back incredible phases, what were some of the key things for you in paving this path for yourself that you're now on? Um, just not being...
0: Like, I mean, I guess I was afraid, so I shouldn't say not having fear, because I think fear is actually sometimes a good indication of, like, a lot of times we think of fear as like, oh, no, go the other way. Like, I'm scared of that, you know, dark alley, don't go down it. But a lot of times that's where the true discovery is, are the things that we do fear the most, or I guess give us the most nervousness, anxiety, anxiety. I've learned in my life that whether you fail or succeed at them, like it's, I, I've always enjoyed jumping and going in, going down that dark alley that seems like, okay, this is maybe a bad idea. Um, But then, you know, was it, or was it not? Because what would kill me worse is to just keep walking, never knowing what was really down that path. And that was something that was like difficult, I guess. And, you know, when, there hasn't been someone that's done something you don't know what's going to (laughs) happen you don't know and honestly you don't know if you're supposed to be doing it like there was that part of me that was like is a woman supposed to be calling baseball and I mean honestly that got eliminated within seconds because I worked with so many men Hannah that were doing softball Mm -hmm. I mean that, world, that Women's College World Series game I was talking about where I had to throw on my polo shirt over my uniform, and I was, I was sitting next to John Cruck, who is a Major League Baseball player doing Major League Baseball games for ESPN, and he loved softball. He had a daughter that played softball. He wanted to do softball games, and he came and did softball games, and it wasn't just that he did them because he liked them. He did them really, really well, and did he ever play softball? No, <laughs> and did he have any experience in softball? No. And so, like, it just helped me be like, well, then why can't we reverse this? And once I saw him have success and be fine, especially if he had, like, good teammates around him to, to, like, help him with the, you know, the few little things that were different. Um then I was like, you know what? I can totally do this. It's just going to be harder for people to understand and I knew that. So just kind of going in with my gear on like, you know, like some shield and a helmet because I knew that I was going to get hit a bit. Um but a part of me was kind of like even though I was afraid, I was also like excited because I'm like, all right, Jess, like this is kind of the unknown and I don't know. I I've always wanted to be somebody that lives outside of a comfort zone. It's just, it's the way I want to live my life.
1: Mendoza has shown others a way forward because she has lived fearlessly. Because she jumped, even when she was uncertain. Or when there wasn't anyone who could tell her what might happen when she jumped, because she was the first. Blazing the trail she has has meant bulldozing down the hate from all sorts of sad, sad people who think women shouldn't call men sports. It has meant putting herself out there, literally, on TV, so that young girls and young girls of color can see her face, listen to her voice, and feel firmly that high places, high places in a, quote, man's world, are for them, too. I'm not alone when I emphatically say that Jessica Mendoza is a hero. I just remember... What was it? It wasn't too long ago when uh, the U.S. Women's National Team, must have been in February last year when they put the names of inspirational women uh, on the back of their jerseys, and I believe you were on Andy Sullivan's, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's just a testament, like you really, yeah, you're the, this inspiration. Do heroes think about how they're heroes? Uh, And i I don't know. I, I, how does that feel to, 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 I'm sure you don't think about it on a day-to-day basis.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was, that was pretty incredible just because I have always admired, you know, all, all honestly, all, all female athletes, but I remember watching 2004 Olympics after we won gold. I remember like two days later, like painting myself up with some of my teammates and we went to the women's soccer gold medal game mm-hmm. and, that was you know that was such an epic year because it was the last of Mia Hamm and Julie Foudy mm-hmm. and all these yeah. incredible women um you know the 99ers basically that was their last hurrah and you know it was also like the birth of Abby Wambach like it was her breakout mm-hmm. year and anyway i've always kept an eye and have been a fan of soccer and admired these women for what they've done especially since that 99 team and the groundbreaking work that they've done for female athletes and so when I got this uh, phone call from the U.S. Women's National Team to ask permission. I mean, that was like the <laughs> like laughable part because I was just so honored. And of course, they you know they have to get permission, but I was just like, um, "Yes, like, <laughs> this is so amazing!" And I watched the game with my two boys, and that was kind of cool too. Um, not only really to see my jersey it was really just to see all the names right, right yeah. I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg i mean i just i remember looking and seeing all of these like just walks of life w- women that i hadn't heard of i remember and i was like looking them up and googling them I'm like yeah. oh my god she's total ba like <laughs> awesome woman like and that just was cool to me like it, anyway it did it, it really it it was such a cool thing and i was more grateful that the national team just did it it didn't matter i mean it was honored that my name of course, but like more importantly, that think about all the people that were watching that got to understand and learn about more, like you're just spreading knowledge yeah, of, of powerful women. And I just, I, I credit the women women's national team for a brilliant idea in doing that. We need to do more of that. <laughs> because unfortunately, when women's anything, not a sports we don't talk about our women enough and our in sports it's like you have these heroes right And they're just heralded you know whether it's the Babe Ruth's and Mickey Mantles and Vince Lombardi's and all these names and history I'm naming sports names we could do it in any category and you know there's there's so many the 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 of you know historic women that just don't get um talked about Babe Dietrichson like that's a name I'm always throwing out there that mm-hmm you know, one of the best female athletes of all time, but it was, like, in the 20s and 30s, you know, that, like, nobody knows of, and those, that same time as Babe Ruth, you know, but anyway, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, when I'm talking to someone who, yeah, has the, the status and the, the role that you have, uh, I would hope to talk about women's, uh, issues like this. Pretty sure I did a sixth grade project on Babe Dedrickson, and I've, maybe heard her name three times since then. If I was asked the podcaster version of if you could have dinner with one person in history, who would it be? Which I guess would just be dream guests in history for the pod. It would be Diederson, like, hands down. And I guess back to Mendoza. I know she said she didn't miss being a softball player, but I was like, really? Like, not even a little, especially with what you do for a living. Has there been any moment where you were you were calling a game and you were envisioning yourself back out there or getting well, that now, itch?
0: Now that softball's back in the Olympics, definitely. I mean <laughs> yeah. there was like a second that I thought like, you know, I have two of my teammates from the last Olympic team I played on that came back out of retirement to To join that this team that'll be in Tokyo, and you know, I had like a millisecond. My husband, of course, was like, "You should do it! Come on, <laughs> I'm like let's go!" Like, yeah. And he was like calling my trainer from before. I was oh like, "Should you do it?" He's like, "Oh, I'm on board. Let's do it." And I was just laughing because I'm like, you know, if it was a matter of me just going to the Olympics and playing, heck yeah! Like, but it's 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 a commitment that is so fun and so amazing, but. It's a commitment that you know me being 39 years old right now i'm like i just you know i don't know but yes like to answer that question and i'm hopefully i'm hoping to go to tokyo and actually support um and playing and i think there's going to be a ton of times hannah where i'm going to be like oh give me a glove come on (laughs) like let's go like and i do have dreams like i'd say at least once a month where i have dreams that i'm playing and i do wake up and feel like wait am i late like you know I, i still think that I'm playing. And so much of, you know, our lives, like, we're, that's what, you know, I was from what, four or five years old on Mm -hmm. until 32, I was an athlete first, pretty much before anything else. And, you know, I woke up every day thinking about, like, how I could be better as an athlete. And so that, that never leaves you. And yeah, there are definitely times that if I could just walk out there and be like, my best version of me and play like I would totally play tomorrow it's it's the work that that goes into it that I'm just I'm kind of glad to be done with and and because I work hard in what I do now and I just oh my gosh the training I used to do to be at the top you know it's it's something that I'm ready to to be different now.
1: (laughs) I'm sure from a like a commentating standpoint it's gonna be really interesting to see maybe the growth of the game of softball how on the Olympic level if it hasn't been in the Olympics since 2008 and now back in now in 2020, like what has, what countries, how has, how has that changed?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the sad part is, and I think, and I don't, I could be wrong, but I think it's 16 instead of eight. I mean, they've definitely cut it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was the biggest change I noticed. Cause I, I used to travel internationally and just do clinics to help grow the game. And a lot of the funding as soon as it became, didn't, it was an Olympic sport, um, countries like Australia, who was one of the time and they medal every year, all of their funding went away Mm. from, from their government. And so if you played at a good friend, that was a second baseman on the Australian team. And if she, she tried to play for a couple more years, but she had to find the funds, which you can imagine trying to travel from Australia Like, to Japan, to the U.S., to Europe, to all these tournaments everywhere, and you're paying for your own flights, you're paying for your own hotel, like, let alone, like, not making money, of course, you know, like, and when you're at the peak of your career, you're in your late 20s, early 30s, so at that point, like, you you know, you need, like, to support yourself, you have a home, you need, like, you have bills to pay so i just saw so many players quit because they're like i I can't i can't afford this this is ridiculous you know um and that and and then honestly what i've seen from australia is the biggest example is their talent has dropped off Mm -hmm. because of it they're not as competitive that used to be the team that used to threaten the u.s the most i mean that even the first olympic games 96 they beat usa um they beat them again in 2000 so um you know it just now it's Japan is the biggest, you know, but I think it's because Japan and U S have these, um, what's the word? Like the, from like the youth on the, the younger and then like college, um, Japan has like a pro league, but it starts very young. Mm -hmm. Um, that's super sponsored, tons of money go into it. And then for us, of course, we have our youth programs and then the college level is, is huge for the game here, but everywhere else. Yeah. Hannah, I'm worried about what these other teams are going to look like because I don't know how much financial support they've had the last 12 years. It's
1: really a disappointing situation. And to all the listeners out there, maybe in between emptying your fan tank for Olympic swimming and Olympic track and field, you can take some time to switch on over to watch Olympic softball as it makes its return to the big stage after 12 years. The more eyeballs that can get on the sport, the better. You gotta really be a huge sports nut to be in the field Mendoza is in, and to be as good as she is. It kind of makes you think, how does a former pro athlete and current sports broadcaster shed, or not shed, some of that sports nuttiness when she is, well, not in the booth? You mentioned you have two sons. Do they play sports? Uh, They do. So I'm very interested in what kind of sports parent you are. <laughs> that is a great question. Um, because um,
0: I always am like, I was always like, okay. Cause I had a hardcore dad. Like he was, he was a college uh, football and baseball coach. Um, and then obviously my, me and my sister's coach. And I just like was always like, okay, I'm not going to be crazy like my dad. And then like your kids are out there and (laughs) oh my gosh, like what I've noticed with me, it's so hard to like keep quiet. Like you can't just let them play like, and like, and I say this with not because I'm trying to correct everything they're doing, but like, I have like zero tolerance if my kid doesn't hustle. Like, it's one thing if, like, he's striking out or he's missing. Like, that's part of the game. Like, I'm supportive. Like, I'm not going to yell at him for, like, you know, he's learning the game. But if you're going to walk or if you're going to disrespect the game by not, like, and and it's funny because like sometimes my husband's like well he's six and i'm like i don't care (laughs) he's gonna run out every ball like he's gonna you know and i just it's like it's it's how i was with myself like i never walked between the lines like i was always running and that just to me was like respect for my coaches for my teammates for the game itself you know all these things and so i just find myself like really being tormented of like not wanting to like completely scream At my
1: kids (laughs) (laughs)
0: be like can you please hustle and and so what i found is that like with my oldest he's 10 years old he um like literally he's not a big fan of baseball he's not a big fan of any of the sports that i know well Mm -hmm. (laughs) his favorite sport right now is hockey ice so he's like yeah we have hockey we actually had hockey last night like we're you know we're hockey people and i know nothing so (laughs) all i do is like good job yay like awesome and i'll even say things he's like mom that's not what that is. And is i'm like oh, okay like great you know and it's like I, I swear he loves it because like i know zero and so all i do is just cheer him on beautiful <laughs> yeah exactly but when it comes to the sports i know it's like i just can't help myself i'm like oh hey no come on you should be doing oh wait like, i can't like bite my tongue like none of that's gonna work no
1: Big takeaway here, pick the sport your star-commentating mom doesn't know anything about, so she'll have no other choice but to just ooze her unbridled joy at simply being your parent. Oh, and, uh, don't you dare walk. Ten years ago, rocking a wee baby, Mendoza probably wasn't thinking much about the kind of sports mom she'd be, and career-wise, she wasn't sitting down, drawing up a vision board that said, work for the New York Mets and join the Sunday night baseball broadcasting team at ESPN. It works for others, but that sort of long-term planning isn't really what Mendoza is about. So we're at the start of a new decade, uh, and I saw your tweet about where you were in the first part of the decade, and then obviously what you're up to now. So where do you see yourself in 10 years? What are you doing?
0: Wow. Um,
1: I think one of the
0: biggest things that I've always done or tried to do is not plan out ever like where I'm going to be. Like actually freaks me out to even think about 10 years from now, to even think five years from now, just because I know me and like I never usually want to be doing the same thing I'm doing now. And not because there's ever anything wrong with it, but just because there's always something else, right? Something else to try to conquer or try to overcome or whatever it might be. And I think if you try to find that out before it's time, then it doesn't end up working out the way it's supposed to. I don't know if that makes any sense, but... I found some of the coolest things are the ones that have come unexpectedly and then you're kind of faced with this, this decision of like do I do this like something I'm not prepared for something that I haven't thought about um and you know you know do we go and a lot of times it's like uh make a decision now not like give yourself a couple years so you know I I beyond like seeing myself and what I'm going to be with, like, my kids and the family, like, that's the easy part, like, you know, watching them grow and supporting them and, you know, tackling them and all the time putting them in headlocks. Um, (laughs) When it comes to my career or anything else, it's kind of like, all right, bring it. What's, What's
1: life got for us, you know? That is big 2020 energy right there. In opening up ourselves to new opportunities and challenges after sport, We know, of course, that there are so many elements to being an athlete that can help us find that next experience and to find happiness in it, to find success. We talk about the skills all the time. Teamwork, discipline, being goal-hungry, leadership, managing pressure. However, what we don't always talk about is this idea of connectedness that comes with being an athlete. You don't even have to try to have a network of people doing interesting, important, whatever it may be stuff around you. It just comes with the territory and that network can be incredibly powerful if you approach it the right way.
0: One of the coolest things and I've, I've told a lot of athletes this is that when you're playing, whether it's even in college or honestly high school, like, you know, uh, there's so many different levels, but like When you're playing sports, you're connected to so many different types of people, whether it's parents of other girls that you're playing with or women that you're playing with, men that you're playing with. Or it's, you know, you're in front of, like, a lot of different media outlets, you know, and, you know, so you're meeting different types of people. Sometimes you're invited to, like, sponsorship dinners or marketing opportunities. Or, like, this is where you're like, I have to go to another, you know, 8 a.m. breakfast where I'm speaking in front of a lot of, like, hoity-toity people and you're kind of, like, annoyed or whatever. Really open your eyes to meeting as many people as possible. And even though while you're playing, sometimes, like, your only focus is... Okay, how to like I was saying, how do I get better today as an athlete? I think you meet and are are um around more people that will get you to the next level that just love being around athletes. And it sounds funny cuz even as like a women's softball player, which isn't like some, "Ooh, I'm around a women's softball player. I'm a big deal." Like no one's saying that, but I met so many people over the course of my career and that included people at ESPN that just happen to have like a daughter that they were bringing out to a game and then you know you get to talking to them and you find out that they're actually like a hiring producer and then it's like well I'm interested in this what's this job like Mm -hmm. and they they they're instead of you being the person that like another person trying to get a job they think you're above and beyond that because you're an athlete Mm -hmm. And in that moment, you're an athlete that they can go and watch and they can go and like and and that sets you apart from everyone else. So I just I think the biggest thing is when you're meeting all kinds of different people is to, to shake their hand and really listen to who they are, because they might be asking for an autograph for their kid in the moment or you might be doing a clinic or whatever, but I'll tell you what, they're, they're out there and they're all connected. And if they can put you above someone else applying for a job or just trying to get in the door, you're going to have a foot up being an athlete. So that's what I would say is just in your last year, obviously giving it everything you have, which you will, but also just kind of keeping an eye open to like, who are the people that you're around and where, who are they connected to?
1: I haven't ever really thought of it that way. And even just in our conversation, and the fact that you were, you know, accessible and responsive like that, means the world to me, um, as a baby journalist. And I, again, I cannot tell you how much of an honor this was uh, to get you to talk to me for half an hour.
0: Yeah, well, I I appreciate that you're doing this podcast because your heart, you're tr- you're passionate about it, so. Anytime you're passionate about something, it's going to lead to better things. And honestly, meeting more people like. And getting the word out and your message is important because there's so many people out there that are that are lost for sure. And it's not a bad place to be. I'll say that lost. Don't freak out. Sometimes be lost a little bit. I I would take that over than just jumping for the first opportunity that's there. just so you're not lost anymore, like get lost a little. And then, but use that opportunity to like meet as many trees and like Mm -hmm. plants and like all the things that are around as you're wandering through the woods and you'll come out come out a better person
1: thank you to jessica mendoza for coming on to the podcast and thank you for listening hope to see you next time